Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. We are back from the Combine in Indianapolis here on Monday. There's a lot to get to. We will do a more traditional Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast on Tuesday. So our tech subscribers who are listening, we will get to some questions um, for that uh, tomorrow. So Mary Kay, I came up with four questions of my own today because I get to do a Hey MK whenever I want. I <laughs> Just have I have access. I have the line uh, when, whenever I want. And I want to start here. So in your insider column, you were talking about Jesse Bates and John Johnson III. So before I get to my question, kind of fill us in a little bit on what you found out as, as you were kind of reporting out the end of the John Johnson era in Cleveland and the start of the Jesse Bates or what? Not the start. But Jesse Bates' interest, I'm getting ahead of myself, Jesse's <laughs> potential interest in coming to Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, this could get interesting. It could get very interesting very, very soon. So uh, what I found out was they did not even try to restructure John Johnson three. They were ready to move on from him. So I found that was one of the things that I found out uh, while we were at the combine. And there wasn't a trade market for him because of the $13.5 million uh, cap charge. So that wasn't there. Uh, so they, it's not like they went to him and said, hey, you know, would you take 9 million instead of 13.5? That didn't happen. It was they knew that they were moving on from him. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, I, I do believe that there is interest in uh, in Jesse Bates and that he is on the radar. And um, then I came to find out in just reporting it out a little bit that Jesse Bates would really like to be here, uh, you know, and play with Deshaun Watson. Now, he has also said that he would like to stay in Cincinnati, but he knows that he can make more money on the open market. So he's going to have to to test the market unless they decide to. I mean, he played on the franchise tag last year. Um, unless they decided to franchise him again, which it doesn't seem likely, then he will, um, you know, he will hit the market. And I believe that the Browns will pursue him. And he, uh, you know, he would like to play with Deshaun Watson. Uh, they also share an agent. And sometimes when you have people in the same agent family, you know, they get to know each other over the years. And, um, you know, you, they just develop a little bit of, a, you know, a bond that way. And um, 
So I think this is really something to keep an eye on as we move here into free agency and the pre-negotiating period that is that is beginning on Monday. And I think the Browns will either upgrade uh, to Jesse Bates or or someone else of that ilk, someone who is a Pro Bowl caliber safety. Okay, so all of these questions I'm going to ask you are sort of in this format, just kind of an are we sure question. And this one has to do with Jesse Bates. And in light of John Johnson and how that went a few years ago, he was one of, if not the top safeties on the market, was off to a great start with the Rams uh, coming up for his second contract and the Browns pounced and paid him a lot of money. Now, Jesse Bates will cost more. uh, But here's my question. Are we sure signing Jesse Bates wouldn't be a repeat of what just happened with John Johnson? You know, you can never really say for sure. Um, But I will say this, that generally when a player has made an all pro team that uh, there's, they're a cut above the rest. Okay. And this wasn't an all pro, this was second team all pro in 2020. And even though it's second team, it's still really hard to make the second team at your position. You have to be one, absolutely one of the best of the best. And you are not going to make it unless that is actually really true uh, because you've got voters from all over uh, the country uh, in this AP all pro that are devoted to, uh, you know, making sure that they get this right. So, you know, if you're making all pro, that's very, very prestigious. And I do think that you find that guys that are all pros, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty dang good players. So the signs are there that Jesse Bates would be an upgrade over JJ three potentially. And he's a little bit younger, not a lot younger, but a little bit younger. I think he's 26 right now. And then, um, and then the other factor in all of this is that they will have a new defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz. And I just think the Browns are very optimistic uh, that they're going to play better defense this season at all three levels And so I absolutely think that this would be a great move for them. And he's also a ball hawk. He had four interceptions last year. And, and I, you know, I see, you know, I see that again in his future. I mean, he usually has like three or four interceptions a year and those are game changing plays. You can win, uh, you know, two of those games sometimes that you win just because he did that. So I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to say that, uh, that I think that it would be worth it and that I think that, uh, you know, that he would come in here and do a fantastic job. Uh, there will be competition for his services. I know there are other teams that are going to want him. I think he will, he will be the most coveted safety on the market. And sometimes when that happens, the price skyrockets a little bit. But, um, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe he will factor in the Deshaun Watson piece and decide that he wants to come to a place where the Browns have a great chance of winning big. So let's talk about the money side of it. Obviously, you know, you mentioned that that price could go up. This is going to cost more than John Johnson costs. By the way, I do want to point out a few years ago, we did a non-quarterback draft and I squeezed Jesse Bates in as the very last pick. And I think I was mocked by uh, someone who we won't name here uh, at this moment. But I think I was mocked for putting Jesse Bates, squeezing him in as like the very last pick in that draft. But um, I I would fully endorse uh, going after Jesse Bates as well. So the money, of course, 
the Browns need to find it if they want to sign pretty much anyone. And, you know, one of the other things you, you reported the very top of your insider column was one of the topics of last week, Deshaun Watson and a possible restructure is that, yes, he would be open to doing a restructure. Absolutely. 100%. And, um, as I'm, you know, as we're taping this, I'm probably going to write a little bit more about this today. Um, but if they play their cards right, this could be the only restructure that they have to do. When you're dealing with someone whose cap charge is $55 million, I mean, you've got a lot of flexibility in there. And as long as you can come up with the cash, you know, you can just, you know, perhaps make that one move and be able to accomplish all of your free agency goals. That way you're not trying to touch Miles's contract or you're not necessarily trying to touch Amari Cooper's contract. Those are the other two guys with um, cap charges in the 20s and above, Amari and Miles. So you might be able to leave those alone and get everything done uh, by handing over uh, you know, a large sum of money to Deshaun or spreading it out in some way where, you know, he gets some of it this year and some of it next year. However you would go about it, I'm not sure. The brilliant capologist will figure it out. But they can they can uh, definitely significantly reduce his cap hit and do everything that they need to do. Uh, so I think that's that's important. And then when the season, when the league year begins on March 15th, that's next Wednesday, when that begins next Wednesday, then you actually go ahead and um, you release John Johnson the third as a June one designation. And when you do that, then you're saving another nine point seven five million dollars on your cap. And so, you know, with these kinds of moves, you're going to be able to do what you need to do in free agency. Okay, let's move on to another player and let's talk about spending more money. So, uh, Ethan Posick, he is a free agent that the Browns could potentially lose. He might be one of the best centers on the market. You know, after a year ago, it was sort of a flyer on him. He wasn't even expected to be the starter, and now he could turn that into a pretty nice contract to be a starting center, and it might not be here. That would, of course, mean that Nick Harris could again be the front runner to be the center as he was last year. So my question here is... Are we sure moving on from Ethan Posich would be a smart move? No, I'm going to say no. I feel like it's such an important position. I feel like you need stability at the position. I, I think you want to be able to hit the ground running with Deshaun Watson. He's already got some experience with Deshaun. Uh, you know he's just solid as heck. He had almost what, what you would consider to be a Pro Bowl caliber season. He, uh, he was ranked number ninth overall amongst qualifying centers in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. And um, I think that if you factor in that Nick Harris is coming off of a very major knee surgery and you don't even really know how Nick is going to, to, to either hold up or to play, I would be trying to find some pennies to re-sign Ethan Posick. I, I really would. And I know it's not easy. His market value is 7 or $8 million a year. That's more than they want to pay a center right now. Um, but, you know, the alternative is to kind of put your eggs in the Nick Harris, Harris basket and hope that he's as good as you think he's going to be, uh, their fifth-round pick in 2020, um, and that the knee holds up. And that was a pretty major knee surgery. It was a very big deal. And uh, 
So, you know, no, I'm not sure that letting Ethan Posick get away in free agency is the right thing to do. I feel like I would be finding a way to uh, to try to get him wrapped up. And, you know, it's nothing against Nick Harris. It's the things you mentioned, right? It's coming off that injury. It's the way Posick played. And it's just, you know, you want to have as many sure things or as close to sure things as you can have going into next season. And, I, you know, listen, there's a chance maybe Posich was a flash in the pan, but it looked pretty good for a full season. And, you know, he's spent that full season now playing with Joel, with Wyatt, like you said, with Deshaun, Bill Callahan, all, all of that. So it, it just feels like you would be creating creating a pretty significant question mark where you don't need need to do one. I mean, I mean, I guess where, where do things stand? I, I mean, I'm sure the Browns are interested, but how realistic do you, do you believe they think it is? Well, I think that they feel that there's probably a pretty good chance that he's going to get an offer that he can't refuse and that they might not want to meet, but you can never say never in these situations. You never really know. I mean, they might put their heads together and once they get the money that they need from whatever they're going to do to get that money, uh, you know, that might change the the profile and the picture here a little bit. Um, heading into it, I think they are fully prepared to start Nick Harris. I think that they just, they feel like, you know, they believed in him heading into last season. Uh, they thought that he was going to be their starter last year until he got hurt. And, uh, and I think that they kind of feel that way again, but I think it's, I think it's risky. I think it's risky and I wouldn't take that risk. I would find the cap space that you need to re-sign Ethan Posick, even if you have to dig into another contract to make that happen. Okay. I would, I would do whatever it takes to get him under contract. I just don't know that you can really count on Nick being everything in the world that you want him to be this season. If he's not, you know, that could, that could derail the season, right? I mean, that, that is something that could take you down pretty quickly if you don't have that position set. So I wouldn't take the risk, but I think they're prepared to take the risk. This is one of those instances where it would be nice if, you know, we've talked about that fran- the offensive line franchise tag. It would be nice if it was divided by, you know, tackles, guards, centers, instead of just offensive line, because I think the number, um, is something like $18 million for offensive mm-hmm. linemen this year. And you, I mean, you can't justify that. And certainly as they're kind of trying to find money and move money around, you, you can't justify that. But, you know, you look at some center contracts out there, you know, Jason Kelsey is the highest paid guy right now, according to over the cap at 14 a year. Mm-hmm. And there's only about seven or eight guys who are making double digit millions right now among centers. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, you just kind of wish maybe you could throw that franchise tag on him and it would be maybe like 10 million a year. That would make this a whole lot easier. But unfortunately, they're going to have to let him test the market. Yeah. And you know what? I, I don't know why they lump all those guys together like that. I think there should be, uh, you know, a tackle number, a guard number and a center number because they all have, uh, you know, different pay grades and they're vastly different, as you mentioned. Uh, the centers don't make as much as the tackles do that have to hold off the, uh, you know, the the best pass rushers in the NFL and whatnot. 
Uh, but certainly they're not about to franchise him and make him uh, one of their highest paid players on the team ahead of Wyatt Teller, ahead of Joel Batonio, uh, you know, ahead of uh, Jack Conklin. I mean, that's, that's just not going to happen. So his market value is somewhere in the $7 million range. I actually think he's probably going to get more than that potentially uh, because he is probably the best center out there on the market. And again, if you don't have a good one, you will find out in a hurry how much you need a good one. Uh, So teams could get into a bidding war for him. I don't know. Um, I think in a perfect world, they would like to have him back. I just don't know uh, where this is going to go yet. Um, But I think they should, try to find a way. I really do. I think they should try to find a way. Uh, but I do think there is some sentiment that, uh, that Nick Harris can get the job done at a very, very high level. I have a couple wild card questions but before we get to those, let's clean up some more, um, free agent stuff. Uh, let's talk about the, let's talk about the running back room. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of praise for Jerome Ford last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did say though, in, in your insider post that Dearness Johnson could be back. He just kind of keeps hanging around mm-hmm. um, right now. And I actually have a Nick Chubb question in the second half. I'm sure you can figure out what it is, but mm-hmm. behind yep. Nick Chubb, what do you think that running back room looks like? Is it, is Jerome Ford the number two? And then maybe there's room for a guy like Dearness and Kareem is, is elsewhere. Yeah, I think Kareem walks, they let him go. And in within the case of all of these Browns free agents that they are going to let walk and test the market, any number of them can come back onto the football team at the right price. So it doesn't necessarily mean goodbye, but I think in the case of, of Kareem, he'll go out and he'll try to find a place where he can get some more carries. And, you know, last year just had the feel of goodbye to it, him asking to be traded and, you know, some of the other things that that went on. I just think, you know, holding himself out of drills and training camp and whatnot. I just think that that means it's kind of over. The ship sort of has sailed. It's got a little bit of a Jarvis Landry vibe to it. Uh, so I think that he will go find a new home. And, um, you know, I have to applaud the Browns for, uh, you know, giving him an opportunity to turn his life around, to get on the right track and to be a productive citizen. And, and he did all that. He worked really hard uh, at all of that. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that they were able to, you know, have him stay on the straight and narrow and do the things that he needed to do. Now he's got to go out and perhaps do that same thing somewhere else. So he will be gone, I believe, unless again, he comes back at a, some kind of a bargain basement price. He made $6 million over each of the next two years. They want to save some money at the backup running back spots. Uh, so Jerome Ford, I do believe he would be in there as the number two in large part because uh, he can run, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, he can be the sort of third down back, the change of pace guy. Um, and then now there is a good chance that Dearness Johnson could be back. Uh, probably, I would say, a, a very good chance. So, uh, you know, he's someone that can come in and get 100 yards for you if you need it, if Nick Chubb goes down with an injury or whatever. He's established that he can do that. He didn't get any chances last year at all. It was shocking that he carried the ball only four times for 17 yards. Uh, But that was part and parcel of the fact that the top two running backs stayed reasonably healthy last year, as opposed to the year before. Um, So actually now, even though it seemed like he would be gone with so few carries that, you know, I think he's got a chance to come back and be part of that room again, unless somebody makes him an offer that that he cannot refuse. So that's how that, I believe, will all shake out. Uh, 
And, um, and I think that's what we can expect. Okay. And just a couple other names, uh, the linebackers, uh, the secondary, you know, greedy Williams, Ronnie Harrison, you had mentioned likely not back. Although, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like what happened last year, you know, it felt like Ronnie Harrison wouldn't be back. Uh, and then he didn't find any place and he came back at a reasonable number. Could that happen with the greedy Williams? You know, it could, it, it, it could, but I don't know. It's, that is another one of those situations where it almost felt like it's time for the two sides to sort of move on from each other. Um, you know, there was a game last year where Greedy was a surprising healthy scratch, right? Uh, when stuff like that starts to happen, it almost seems like the ship has sailed. It's time to move on. Uh, so I think Greedy will try to find a new home and one in which he can maybe even start or, you know, play a whole lot in the rotation, which is going to to not be happening as much here. Um, So I'm going to say he's going to be gone. But as you mentioned before, never say never, because if you're in the third wave and you don't have a home yet, anything can happen at that point. But right now I'm going to say Greedy and Ronnie both gone. And then just the the two linebackers coming off injury, Taki Taki and, and Anthony Walker. What, what's the status with those two? You know what? Those guys are both set, obviously, to become unrestricted free agents. But I think that uh, the Browns will try to sign, re-sign both of them and that they want both of them back. Anthony Walker coming off of a quad, Sione Taki Taki coming off of a torn ACL. Um, but both of those guys are coming along really well in their rehab. Both should be ready to start and play the season. And, uh, and I think they really, really like both of them, not just for what they bring on the field, but for some of the intangibles that they offer in terms of leadership, character. These are the kinds of guys that you want on your football team, especially when you're trying to change the culture. Uh, of the team and change the culture of the defense. These are really, really good guys. I think they will try to resign both. All right, we're going to take a break and then we're we're going to do it. We're going to have the Nick Chubb discussion. That's coming up on the other side here on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All right, I've I've sort of wanted to ignore this, um, but... You know, these things happen leading up to free agency. People on Twitter get things going a little bit. And right now, that's mostly what this is. It's it's Brown's Twitter kind of running with, with some stuff. But I think it's something that, that we need to talk about just because, I don't know, two months from now, I don't want to get caught thinking, oh, man, we really should have talked about this because look what just happened. So uh, Derek Henry, it was reported by Michael Silver, is on the block in Tennessee, which is interesting. And it got people thinking a little bit about Nick Chubb. Here is my question uh, about Nick Chubb. Are we sure that the Browns would absolutely not consider trading Nick Chubb this offseason? I am going to say that the Browns unequivocally 
will not consider trading Nick Chubb this offseason. First of all, we know Kareem is walking um, and, you know, you don't want both of them gone in the same year. And then, you know, Nick is just different. You know, Nick is a different cat. Okay. He's not your average real run of the mill running back. Of course, neither is Derrick Henry. We know that, but Nick is uh, such an important part of this offense and such an important, vitally important part of this football team. I'm going to say no. I think I answered that this uh, to some degree in a Hey MK on, um, on Sunday as well, that I just, I just don't see it. Oh, I know what it was. Somebody asked me if they think they would trade Denzel Ward for a first round pick. And I said no to that. And also, no, I just pointed out that I don't think they got to this point where they feel like they have the quarterback that they want and all these core players that they acquired over these years to try to get this team to the Super Bowl to start like casting aside some of them now. I don't see it. I think they have their core. And I think Andrew Barry even mentioned that he had a phrase uh, at the uh, at the combine where he said, we feel really good about our core players. If I recall correctly, I think he said something like that. So yeah, it came in a restructure question, I think, but so I don't, I'm not seeing it. I am not seeing it. And maybe I should reinforce it again as I write throughout this week that I don't, I just don't see that happening. Uh, Nick will be here in 2023. That's, that's my opinion, but I feel strongly about it. I think it's more likely that we, we see a more involved Nick Chubb in the passing game than Mm -hmm. the Browns saying, oh, we're going to throw the ball more this year. So we don't need Nick Chubb. I, I mean, th- that just doesn't make sense to, to say, well, you know, and I understand the financials of running backs. I understand the argument would be, do you want to pay a back that much money, especially if you're changing your offense to a more pass heavy scheme? Like, like I understand just the cold, hard kind of data behind all that. But let's not forget it was this front office that extended Nick Chubb mm-hmm. and gave him that contract and kind of built this running game out. And I, I just, I don't know for I mean, just starting here, what do you even get for the guy? I know Christian McCaffrey brought back a lot, but Nick Chubb is a great runner. He's not hes not the weapon that Christian McCaffrey is. You know, Christian McCaffrey is an all-around weapon, and I, I think it's a different discussion if you're going to start talking trade. Um, but then one other thing, too, that I think you mentioned is really important. Like, Nick Chubb, that if you traded Nick Chubb, there would be ripple effects in that locker room. There mm-hmm. really would be. I don't think it would go over very well in that locker room if you did something like that. Yeah, now is not the time. Now is not the time to do that. Not when you are on the brink of the success that you've been building uh, to this point. Uh, you're just not going to do something like that to Nick. And um, and the other thing is, you know, I think I, I may have heard it kicked around that, oh, trade Nick Chubb for a first round pick. That's not happening, right? I mean, you're not going to get a first round pick for Nick Chubb. I mean, he's he's not at the end of his career yet, but he's, you know, on the middle end. I mean, like he's not early in his career anymore. And, um, and as you mentioned, he's not necessarily a dual threat, you know, bona fide experienced pass catcher yet out of the backfield. I do think he will be used more in that regard because, you know, you want to have some ambiguity. Is Jerome Ford going to, are they going to pass it to Jerome? Are they going to pass it to Nick? You don't always want it to be like when Jerome's in the game, you're going to pass it to the running back. When Nixon, it's only going to be a run. You don't want that, and, and they won't have that. And I think you could almost see last year that they were starting to throw him the ball a little bit more when Deshaun was was in there. 
so I think you will see more of that. And I think that, um, you know, that you will see just more running out of different formations and, um, you know, really trying to expand that and supporting Deshaun with that running game. So I don't think he's going anywhere. And I think, you know, sometimes it's a really simple question. Like you, you just got to look in the mirror and say, do we have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl if Nick Chubb is on this team or if we trade him for a third round pick or even a, even a second round pick? Do we have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl this year? And I, I don't think there's even a debate there. You've, you've got a better chance of winning the Super Bowl if Nick Chubb's on your roster. Maybe you revisit it after this season. I don't know. But I, I don't even really want to think about that. Yeah, and, and think about it. I mean, he's just someone that can, you know, break those long runs in, in the fourth quarter. You know, he can hit that home run at any time. He's just different. I mean, he's just such an incredible runner. I mean, he is phenomenal. If you pair him with Deshaun and you support Deshaun with a Nick, it's only going to help Deshaun. So even if you just look at it from that standpoint, that he would be an amazing part of the supporting cast uh, for Deshaun when there will be times when uh, where they're going to need to rely on the running game, especially in weather games and, uh, you know, just certain certain times where you're just going to have to have that. And, uh, you know, they have one of the best in the business. And once again, this could be the year. It actually should be the year where you are making every single attempt, every effort to get to the Super Bowl. I've talked about this so many different times. Like, this is the prized pig that you're taking to the fair, right? And so this is prized pig this year. Um, You know, this is when you've got all of your guys in the – prime of their career, most of the guys in the prime of their career. And then you're going to add some really good pieces coming up over the next couple of weeks. Why do we know that? Because that's what Andrew Berry does. He doesn't just like stand pat at this time of year in the acquisition season. He aggressively tries to improve the football team. And I think he's going to do that again. And why not do it this year when, you know, when you have so much at stake. So I think now is not the time to go unloading the core pieces of your offense or defense. Okay. Last question here. This is kind of a leftover from the combine last week. uh, And it just has to do with Kevin Stefanski. And he got asked again, if you, it's like an annual tradition. He got asked again, if he was going to be calling plays uh, and he said, yes. And he said, yeah, I always kind of hear this from the head coaches who call plays, right? They they're, they always say, I'm going to do what's best for the football team. And like 99% of the time it is what they think is best for the football team is them calling plays, which makes sense. That's not even necessarily criticism. It's just these guys got here for a reason. They, they believe they belong in that job for a reason. So my question off this is, are we sure that Kevin Stefanski calling plays is what's best for the Browns this season? You know, I think starting out that way is the, is the right thing to do. I think it is absolutely the right thing to do because, uh, you know, we have not seen Kevin Stefanski when he's had a whole offseason with Deshaun Watson where he doesn't have to divide up the reps in training camp, right? He doesn't have to try to get a different guy ready to start the season. And then he doesn't have to wait 11 games for his quarterback to get back. He's going to be there from the start. And if he stays healthy, he'll be starting for 17 games And the playoffs, of course, is the goal. So, you know, I think it's time to see what he's got. Come on, Kevin, what do you have? 
show everybody what you got. I mean, the Browns always talk about how they think this is an amazing pairing between Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski. I heard uh, Quincy Avery on that podcast. That's Deshaun Watson's private quarterbacks coach. Um, He talked about Kevin Stefanski as being one of the best play callers in the NFL. If Quincy Avery feels that that Deshaun Watson is those in those kind of hands, knowing that he has coached him since he was in high school and knows what he needs, then I think that's meaningful. That's meaningful for him to come out and say that. Deshaun Watson has praised Kevin Stefanski's offensive acumen and prowess. He wants to work with Kevin Stefanski in that way. So let's see. I mean, we don't we don't know for sure, but they haven't even had that opportunity yet to fully install the kind of offense that will showcase Deshaun Watson's skills. And it's going to take, um, you know, Kevin jumping out of his comfort zone a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, Kevin and Alex Van Pelt and Bill Musgrave, you know, I think these guys are going to put their heads together and, uh, you know, and really try to craft a scheme that makes Deshaun look amazing. And, you know, I mean, let's see, this is the first time that he's not, that he's going to be calling plays for a quarterback with no limitations. Okay. He's a dual threat. He can call the RPOs. He can call designed runs. He can play the no huddle. He can call deep shots. I mean, he can, he can run any kind of an offense, any kind of scheme, and he's smart enough to do all the things that he needs to do. And I think Deshaun would like to do more at the line of scrimmage than generally the West coast offense affords a quarterback. I think he wants to slide the protections and ID the Mike linebacker and all the things that he, you know, he's used to doing all of that stuff. Um, So I think you could, we've talked about this a lot. You know, you talk about, about it a lot, Dan is just, the tempo changes and all those different kinds of things that you can do with offense, the no huddle and, and all that sort of stuff. I think you can do all that with, with Deshaun, you can do anything with Deshaun. And so, you know, why not give Kevin Stefanski the chance to see if, Hey, maybe he can be Deshaun's Andy Reed. I mean, like we, we don't know. He's never had that before. So I, for one, think it's worth giving it to him to see what he can do with it. And if it doesn't work out, you can always switch it up after that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little shakier on, on Kevin than I was, you know, obviously after the playoff season again, I hear, so here's a, here's a bad take maybe from uh, that, an older podcast. I think I said something along the lines of Kevin could be the Browns, Mike Tomlin and uh, John Harbaugh. All right. We'll back off that a little bit until to be determined, but um I don't see a reason for him not to call plays. You, there, there's no option in the building that you know 100% is better. Now, maybe you get a quarter of the way through the season or halfway through the season and they do let Alex try it, and maybe he does end up being better. But, I mean, I think you've made this point before. Once you kind of make that switch, you can't just bring it back. It's mm-hmm. a lot easier for Kevin to go into this season calling the plays and make a change than to give it to Alex and then halfway through the season take it back. That's a a lot more problematic to take that approach. Yes. And I wrote that. I wrote a little column about this while we were at the combine saying, you know, why I think this is the right decision. Uh, And that was one of the things that I threw in there. Like you can't give it to Alex and then let him try to do it for four or five games and then just rip it back out of his, out of his hands. You, You can't really do that to your 
offensive coordinator. So you don't want to do that. You would want to do, I mean, Nick Sirianni actually turned the play calling over to Shane Steichen in 2021 at some point mid season. He just said, here, it's yours. You've got this. And, uh, you know, you could probably do something like that, but I wouldn't start out doing that. I, I definitely wouldn't start out doing that. And, you know, I think that, um, I think, I think Kevin deserves a chance to see if he can be the play caller that the Browns believe he is the play caller that Deshaun Watson believes that Kevin is the, the play caller that Kevin thinks he is. And, you know, here's another thing to think about Dan. And that is the fact that they are going to be running. Once again, this is not a well-oiled machine that they're going to be throwing out there. Like in, you know, in Kansas city, you've got your established offense. You've got your play caller. You've got Patrick. They've been together forever. This is not Tom Brady going out there again with Bill Belichick. This is not, uh, well, I can't use Josh Allen because he had a new play caller last year, but you know, this is not some well-oiled machine that you're going to be throwing out there in the opener. This is an offense that is going to be retooled significantly uh, to be designed around Deshaun. And then you're going to have some new pieces. There will be new pieces on this offense. Uh, I, there better be some new pieces on there. So you better have a new speedy receiver to stretch the defense and run things the way that you want to. So there should be at least one new really good receiver kind of starting caliber perhaps on this offense. Um, so yeah. So new quarterback from week one, new receiver. And I just don't think, and, and a new, and a retooled offense, a new, a retooled scheme. I don't think that's the time to turn it over to a guy who's not used to calling plays. I mean, Alex Van Pelt, I think only has one full season of play calling under his belt when he was with the Bills, if I recall correctly. So it's not like they're trying to keep the play calling job away from some very experienced play caller. I mean, Bill Musgrave is the most experienced play caller on the staff, you know, um, but, um, you know, when you add, throw that all into the hopper, I think it comes out Kevin to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think I, I thought I remembered this and I Googled it there too. Um, I mean, Andy Reid has even given up play calling. Like I think it, it was, uh, in 2017 was one example. This was before Mahomes. Um, he, it was his rookie year when he was on the bench. So it was still Alex Smith, but he gave up play calling to Matt Nagy for mm-hmm. like a month or so towards the end of that season. So, um, it's it's not unheard of for a head coach, even a guy like Andy Reid, who is one of the most brilliant play callers we've ever had. Uh, it's not unheard of for a guy to give that up if he thinks it's not going well, or if he thinks that maybe the offense needs a spark, or he needs to take on you know a role, a bigger role elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's this is not an ego thing for Kevin. This is not like I'm the best ever. Um, but I I also think that. You know, he does want to test himself and stretch himself and see what he's made of in that regard. And, you know, if he feels that he can get the job done, then, um, you know, why not give it a try? Just give it a try. If it fails, he'll be the he would be the first to admit it that, you know what, there's somebody better that that can do this than me. And I'm going to step aside. 
All right, there we go. A Monday podcast here on the Wonder Brown Talk podcast. Uh, my dog has been involved very heavily in this podcast uh, for whatever reason. He has been worked up while we've been recording. So uh, shout out to Buster upstairs, just barking away, uh, sharing his Brown's opinions for everyone to hear. Um, we will be back with a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast on Tuesday. Uh, those questions will come from our football insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get involved in that. And also just make sure you're subscribed to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.